Hello, hello everyone. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan for Dudbert. This is the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. Well, we're up and running in the respective leagues in Scandinavia. John, uh, you must be loving it. Greetings to everyone and hello to you, Steve, my dear friend. Uh, yes, we're back and I'm, I can't deny I'm absolutely loving it. Um, firstly, wanted to say thanks to everyone who's followed us. In the last sort of uh, week or so, we've had a massive response to the first three episodes of the season. Um, follow counts growing, and we've had so much interaction from people. So, big up to yourselves, and yeah, I'm really happy to be back and uh, back for another show. Yeah, thanks very much to all the new followers. Followers on uh, at Nordic Foot Pod on Twitter. We're nearly at a thousand followers, so big push uh, this weekend. As many of you as you can get there, following out there, share all our tweets and everything like that. And actually, it's on Twitter, which is going to, well, start the first topic of conversation in this podcast, John, because we asked people, what do you want us to talk about in Sweden? And well, Syria's at the top of the league, but uh, obviously not as many wanted us to talk about them. Instead, it, it's down to Hammerby and a, a very controversial incident in their match at the weekend, which ended in a one-all draw uh, against Kalmar. And uh, tell us a bit more about this Hammerby controversy, John. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we had the, we had the po uh, the poll on Twitter, and as Steve said, you can follow us there. And we asked people to um, vote for what we're going to talk about first. So, unfortunately, for you serious fans who are top of the league, we're not going to talk about you. We're going to talk about this controversy. I guess people love controversy, eh, Steve. Uh, and yeah, it was a, an interesting game. To be fair, we covered it live uh, at the time. It was Hammerby one or draw with Kalmar. Uh, but it won't be remembered for the scoreline itself or the game, really. It will be remembered more for the crazy moment at the end where um, a goal was disallowed in the, in the last minute and it led to quite a big scandal, really, didn't it, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw this posted around uh, sort of Twitter later on in the day and I watched the highlights of the match. And um, yeah, first things first, I think Hammerby should have won it, really. They, they were the better side in this game. But... Um, the goal itself, well, the nun goal at the end, I mean, I have looked and looked at this. Initially, I thought it was a shocking decision. I thought, bloody hell, they've got this miles wrong. He was well onside. I think the more you look at it, it gets closer, but he's got to be onside there, surely. I mean, that should be a legitimate goal, shouldn't it, John? I mean, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I mean, at the time, it was very confusing, and even following it live online and everything, people, nobody seemed to know what was going on unless you were in the stadium. Um, so for those who didn't see the game, the ball was played in, I think, by Sandberg at the end. Uh, it looked very, very borderline cross. Last minute, obviously, won all at the time. Fans bay for blood. Um, 31,000 in the stadium, you know, the biggest attendance of the, of the weekend. And, um, you know, Rodic, uh, sorry, Jurdic scored the goal, uh, went off and celebrated, ripped off his shirt, ran away. Uh, and then it was disallowed to the fury of Hammerby fans. Many of them who went to the right to the sidelines, they were literally kicking the kicking the um, advertising boards down, almost like they were going to get onto the pitch. <clears throat> there was a gap between the advertising boards, um, between the corner flag and the and the, the behind the goal. And many fans were literally could have, if they wanted to, just walked onto the pitch and ran onto the pitch. They were fuming. They they were throwing things onto the field. I think there was a stoppage of at least one minute where the referee had to go around and pick up lighters and any kind of other paraphernalia thrown onto the field. And eventually, um, one of the players, Vladimir Rodic, ran onto the field right in the linesman's face and screaming at him, 
uh, and was given a yellow card. There was just chaos everywhere. A fan ran onto the pitch. Um, obviously, Jurdic was booked, and to be honest, he was actually lucky not to be sent off to be, um, after ripping off his shirt. And then, you know, he got involved again, and a minute later, he he could have gone for an elbow, in my opinion. You know, it was the game just w went crazy, really. Um, Post match has created quite a storm, actually, Stephen. There's been a lot of talk about it since. Yeah, a very controversial incident, and uh, obviously, you know, the fans were going absolutely ballistic out there, weren't they? I mean, it looked like they were going to come on and kill the officials, and uh, you know, Hammerby, obviously the the most supported club in terms of attendances in in the whole uh, Al Svenskan, aren't they? Overall, I do believe uh, stat off the top of my head, but. Uh, What's going to be the result of this, well, fallout then, John, do you think? Well, I mean, for me, firstly, I'm really dubious as to whether it was offside. I, I can't really decide. I, at first, I thought it was clearly onside, and I thought Hammerby were very unlucky. Um, but obviously, the more you see it, I mean, the linesman said he saw it again, and he's happy with his decision. Um, other people have, you know, claimed they're happy as well, the, the referee himself. Um, I'm really unsure about whether it was onside or offside. I really... I'm really not sure, but it's created two debates. Number one, um, it's quite an interesting one, really. It's about replays in stadiums. Should there be replays of, you know, 50-50 incidents in stadiums? Obviously, we don't have VAR in Sweden. And um, the debate there was obviously because they, the, the reason the fans went mental is because they was played the replay. Uh, yeah. But they saw it on the big screen and obviously that created the outrage. And the question is, should they really be showing that on the screens? There are actually protocols in place in Sweden about how many times you're allowed to show a replay. And there are guidelines in terms of what can be shown and when. You're not allowed to, for example, show commentary. Um, you're not allowed to show it from a certain angle or any kind of markings, for example. So a replay was played, but you know it was obviously so borderline that it just really angered the fans. Um, the second debate is obviously about Rodic. And I think it's an interesting one because in, in England, I think he would have been retrospectively banned by now and I think he would be sitting out for a long time the his reaction was totally uncalled for in my opinion don't forget Steve he was a substitute so what business has he got running onto the pitch and confronting the linesman on the sidelines you know from the dugout I've no idea you know I think it was bang out of order um, he got in his face the linesman um, came out afterwards and said you know it wasn't his what he said that made the booking him get a booking it was more um, his, his gestures but for me, you shouldn't be anywhere near an Eisman there. Um, I think a yellow card was very, very lenient. I think in England, he would have been sent off. And there's been calls for retrospective action against him because, you know, he his antagonising of the referee, uh, sorry, of the linesman, really um, did not help that situation with the fans. And I think, you know, there's been a, a fallout in that sense. And I think it's an interesting question, really, you know, in terms of should he have gone? I think, I think other players might have been sent off and in England. He would have seen red for sure. I'll tell you now, if that happened in MLS over in America and he did that to an official, you're not just getting sent off, you're getting banned for three or four games because they have a zero tolerance over there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really crazy how he was just given a yellow and kind of like, you know, walk away. I, I was really surprised. It was a furious reaction and I just thought it was really a real loss of control, really. I thought it was really quite poor and he was lucky. Yeah, just before we move on to, well, anything else, um, Hammerby, they've drawn their first two games to start the season. Uh, what have you made of them, John? And does their new signing, um, Chartenson, impress you or not? Well, no, he's not impressed so far. There's been a, a bit of a debate about him, actually, and the fact that he's not come out of the blocks flying. Uh, he's missed a couple of chances, actually. Um, 
Hammerby in terms of expected goals are kind of quite near the top of the league actually. So um, people, maybe you might say, if you the people who like to argue that these things even out, you would expect them to pick up soon and and, and go higher. Um, they've also had the best ball possession in the league. And as we mentioned, we're going to be using obviously Wisecout stats this season. And um, that's one of them, I suppose, from this uh, episode. Uh, yeah, Hammerby have the best best ball possession in the league. I think the game itself, they were they were slightly unlucky. Uh, Calmar's goalkeeper um, saved the day, really. He was exceptional. Um, he was a man of the match performance. I think he made three or four saves. He was given bonus points uh, in fantasy football. And he was very, very good on the day. Without him, I think they probably would have lost that game. So, um, not the best of starts for Hammerby. Djuric, I think, like I say, should have been maybe sent off. Brodic should have been sent off. Kiartens has not really come into it yet. Kosanu, who we called as one of our 10 to watch, has been okay, but um, it's been quite sloppy, actually. He was at fault, I think, for the goal. And just general, as general, he looks like he'll need some time to adapt. But the, the raw attributes are there. But um, all in all for Hamby, not the best of starts. And they'll need to pick it up this weekend when they play against Helsingborg away. Yeah, I saw t you tweeting about the uh, the goalkeeper at Kalmar as uh, one of the most underrated in the league or, or along those lines. Obviously, want to keep an eye on there. Yeah, I, there is a bit of a um, debate about him at the moment because he had such a good game. Um, Lucas Hal Johansson. He's 24 years old. I think he is quite underrated, actually. He's been good for a while. And it's not, you know, as Kalmar tends to go under the radar, and I think he has gone under the radar slightly. Um, I don't think that will last too long if he continues. Kalmar have uh, a game this weekend against, I believe it is, North Shopping. So that's a big game, especially with North Shopping not doing so well. Um, and, yeah, he'll be one to watch, maybe, for your fantasy team. OK, well, on the Twitter poll... They, uh, it was actually ended up uh, level in terms of what percentage wanted us to talk about the Hammerby match and also uh, a lot of interest in Malmo at the minute, uh, getting beaten by Gif Sundsvall 3-1 uh, at the weekend. And uh, well, they've yet to win a match yet, Malmo, just one point on the board. And 3-1 uh, against Gif. I mean, talk to us about this match, John. Did it surprise you? I really, I keep saying it, and I, you know, I'm going to say it again. I'm afraid you'll probably be a bit bored of hearing it if you're a regular listener. But uh, I'm really impressed with Gibson's fan. I really like what I see from them, and I liked what I saw from them again this past weekend. They showed no kind of fear against um, Malmo. We've praised a lot of their players uh, in in the seasons gone by. Um, players like Linus Elenius and David Batanero, the Spaniard, who again was really good. I think one player that we need to mention in this um, podcast was Juan Juanjo Ciercoles, another Spanish player. Played an exceptional through ball for the first goal, um, scored by Sema. Um, a really good through ball that was finished off. It was a 3-1 win for uh, Gifsunsvall. Malmo equalised through Trouterson from a corner, but literally uh, straight up from the kickoff, a terrible mistake from the Malmo backline, Bient Benson. Oh, and it was appalling, just straight back to Hellenius, who really, to be fair, he took it like a striker in form, um, rounded the keeper instantly, one touch bang and into the net, 2-1, um, and then a penalty um, conceded by, I think it was Rosenborg, and um, Hellenius made no mistake to make it 3-1. So, Gisunsvalken, their rise continues, they've played Manmo at home now and Eurogarden away, and they have four points, which is really, really impressive. 
Um, their form seems to continue, and there's no signs of a downer from them yet. Yeah, I mean, just talking about Malmo, um, I think got a problem with penalties at the moment because they've missed two um, in, in two games. And it's funny, some teams have these periods where they have problems with penalty takers. I've had this conversation with a few Leon fans this year. I think Leon have missed more than 50% of their penalties awarded. And look, anyone can miss a penalty, anyone can score a penalty, but... These have been crucial misses for Malmo, haven't they? I think both times it was nil-nil in the in the in the games, or sorry, one-nil in the first week when they were leading. But uh, it's cost them big, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, funnily enough, they have the highest expected goals in the league. So the question really there is: Are they a bit unlucky, or is it simply a case of them missing big chances and you know, like penalties, that kind of thing? Um, I don't think the expected goals really reflected itself in the game against Gibson's so They didn't really, it wasn't the sort of game where, for example, they dominated it and they were, you know, they were lucky or unlucky to lose. Um, I, I felt it was a deserved defeat, to be honest. Maybe you could argue that they, you know, 3-1 was a bit harsh on them, but um, I didn't think that Gibson's so were, were any in any way sort of not good value for their win. I think with Malmo, it's kind of like what I said in the season preview podcast. I worry a little bit. Um, about them creativity-wise, I don't. Th- I think they're very functional, but I don't think they're by any means kind of thrilling to watch or you know really highly entertaining in terms of individual quality. Um, Romain Gould on the day was poor, didn't really stake his place for a, you know uh, his claim for a place in the side, um, having been given his chance. Uh, Uwe Rosler might not be too happy with him there. What else have they got? I mean, they 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 had Moline who. I didn't really rate at all. He he he, he was poor. I thought, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. You did say I'm this not, in the pre-season podcast, didn't you, about them? So it's not that much of a shock, I suppose. Yeah, I just think they lack a little bit. That what I said in the pre-season podcast has, has come to fruition in the first two games, in my opinion. Um, I just think they lack a little bit of spark. They've got good players. They are a good side in general, quite solid. And they've had a lot of problems with in- injuries, especially in the back, uh, at the back of their defence. They're, they're missing a lot of players in that sense. They had to play Levick, Oscar Levitsky in, in defence um, in that game, which didn't help. But, you know, they played Joe Ingeberger, your your best friend there, and uh, Molines. And just, you know, they, they they took them off and brought on Rosenborg and Antonsen. But at no point did they really look like, you know, they were really going to hammer um, Gibson's father. They didn't really look like they were that potent. And I worry about them going forward in that sense. I don't. They're not. They don't look to me the most potent team in the league, and I think that's something they need to work on. Maybe. Well, I said it doesn't surprise me that that Joe Ingeberget, um struggled. He he hasn't looked very good uh, for a good year or so now. Maybe he might get his mojo back, but um, you know he's not the most confident striker. So it didn't surprise me in that regard. Uh, Let's just move on now to, well, I suppose we're going to have to talk a little bit about the side that are top of the table at the moment. Uh, six points uh, for Sirius. And uh, they beat AFC Eskilstuna at the weekend 3-2. I watched the highlights of this game, actually. I do actually have a couple of uh, AFC Eskilstuna defenders in my fantasy team at the moment. They didn't score very well for me. Who have you got? I've got, um, I, I've forgotten what they even called, to be honest. Um, one of them's Felix, someone, I think. Um, they just put, they did well for me in the first uh, week. I think someone had an assist, but um, anyway, I watched the highlights of this game, and well, I've got to be honest, I mean, you might know more than me here, but it looked like a flipping building construction yard. 
the, the uh, serious stadium. I mean, I, I I did genuinely wonder if a new stand was being built or it was just normally like that as anyway. But uh, they got the three two win. Um, have they been a bit lucky so far, John? And I mean, you you didn't expect them to have a good year, so I, I presume you don't think it will continue. Yeah, I mean, they're currently rubbing a, a giant custard cream egg all over my face uh, after I predicted relegation and they're at the top of the league. But uh, we're two games in, you know, we're, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I'm pretty, you know, I'm not too worried about my, my prediction there still. I think they've had a pretty kind run so far. Sir, uh, Kalmar away, Eskilstuna at home. Um, one of the major talking points, I think, was more the fact that... Uh, one of the goal scorers was uh, ran off and shushed the Eskilstuna fans. Uh, he's a former former Bromopoikina player, and he was he, he claimed that AFC Eskilstuna disrespected Bromopoikina in the playoffs, and he was he said he remembered it, it was not happy at all. So um, yeah, he enjoyed that. But uh, in general, I didn't. You know, I'm not I'm not massively up on serious. They've they've had the they actually they've actually had the lowest ball possession in the league, forty two point five percent. Um, doesn't mean possession. Possession is by no means everything, but um, you know, I, you know, I think they they've done well to be top of the league and they've scored some good, good goals. And I think the Calmar win was a good win away from home, but certainly they have bigger tests to come. Um, starting with AIK away this weekend. Yeah, it's um, as a a good good start for Sirius, and it's been you know AFC did have that win uh, on the opening day as well for, for them so a good start for a promoted it's actually been a fairly good start for the promoted teams they've all had a victory each and uh, we're going to talk about one of them now uh, Falkenberg um, and they had a very interesting match at Ossersons at the weekend John which uh, I know uh, well me and you have had a bit of discussion about this game already but uh what have you made? What did you make of that fixture, and what have you made of uh, Falkenberg so far? Well, this was a fascinating game, wasn't it? I mean, what a what a game in terms of uh, oh, you know, Charlie Colkett's goal, Hossam Aish, yeah. really crazy goals, weren't they? Um, Some absolutely. I mean, the, the Ossesum's goals. I think all of them are in the mixer for goal of the month contender, aren't they? Certainly, the first two of them. Uh, I'm like, wow, um, but. I mean, this was a match, a bit of a wild game in the end. So many chances at either end, uh, certainly in the last 10, 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, ultimately a win for Ostersunds. But, uh, I mean, Falkenberg have been perhaps surprisingly competitive in their two matches. Well, I've got an interesting few stats on these two teams, actually, Steve. Um, I'm going to get a bit statistical with you here. But uh, Falkenberg have the third lowest expected goals against in the league. So they're actually one of the best teams in the league in terms of got expected goals against them. Um, the only two teams who have been, you know, XG for those who don't know, maybe. So this is the amount of goals you would expect against them based on chances created and that kind of thing, shots. So they're third best in the league in that sense behind uh, Eurogarden and AIK, who obviously haven't conceded a goal yet. Okay. Um, and the other statistic is that they have the second highest SG, XG in the league. So after Malmo, it's Falkenberg. So that's really, really bodes well for the future, doesn't it? You know, top of the, yeah. close to the top of the league for um, you know, most parsimonious defence and close to the top of the league for m most expected goals. So despite their sort of results, they're looking okay if you base it on that, if you if you enjoy that baseline. Um, you know, I don't look too much at the stats. I think that does they don't tell the full story, but that's, that's indicative that maybe we should keep an eye on Falkenberg. Conversely, 
let's look at Ostersons and uh, there may be a bit of cause for concern for them because they have the number one expected goals against in the whole league, which means they're bottom of the league for the amount of goals you would expect against them, 4.94. Um, but they've only conceded two goals. And convert. And, and on the other hand, they also have the third bottom expected goals in the league with 1.41 goals. So despite those three goals against, um, against Falkenberg and their general form, they've only expected to have scored 1.41 goals this season. So maybe cause for concern there for Ostersund. Yeah, in terms of statistics, obviously perhaps cause for concern going forward. But uh, I suppose Ian Birchnell would say, right, well, we've got a good point away at AIK. We beat Falkenberg, you know, got the three points on the board. So in terms of points, yeah, they're, they'll be pretty happy with uh, how they're doing. But yeah, in terms of the, if you look deeper into these statistics, then it might be something that they, they need to work on their, their off-season. So uh, let's see some other teams. I mean, IFK Jokerborg, um, they've had two very mixed results so far, haven't they, John? They've beaten Elfsborg 3-0, but they had they, a really bad performance on the opening day. They lost it against AFC. Yeah, I'm still basking in the... Um in the game against Elfsborg to be honest, I thought they were really impressive. They, they played at um, Old Ulive, which is um, the stadium just down the road from the actual stadium, due to issues with their pitch. Um, I think there wasn't they were the pitch wasn't deemed so, um, adequate to play on or something like that, so they had to play in a different stadium. Um, and I was actually I've actually been to that stadium, and it was one of the biggest attendances in recent years in Sweden. IFK Malmo first game of the 2017 season. Um, so they played there again. It was a, an elevated attendance. And they just wiped the floor with Elfsborg, um, who I don't rate at all, as I've said before. Um, but the star of the show on that day was Benjamin Nygren. And this is going to be a big story, Steve, I'm telling you, because I've been talking about this kid since a year ago, um, before he was even in the anywhere near the first team at EFC. He got a goal and two assists on the day. Um, one thing I was surprised about, Steve, he's really filled out um, physically. He looks, you know, he was a boy when I saw him play. He's starting to look like a man now. Um, he was aggressive. He, he created some great goals. He's, his, his, his weight of pass, when to pass, you know, for his both his assists was really, really good. He took his goal well. I'm, I'm really excited about this kid, Steve. I'm telling you, he's going to go places. Um, from the point of view of Elsborg, it was just a disaster. First goal was a shambolic uh, mistake from, um, I can't remember who it was now. But um, yeah, they were just poor. They had a man sent off. It was Gregerson, actually, and he was also sent off. He was a fault for the first goal, and then he was eventually sent off. But uh, yeah, I don't rate Elfsborg as I've said, and I think EFC just kind of like dispatched them quite easily. But um, Benjamin Eagle is the big story there. Uh, EFC have got bigger tests to come, I think. So I can't judge them yet. But um, their fans are certainly happy, and uh, in fact, one of their members of staff said that Benjamin has a contract for as long as he wants at this club. So there's already talk. You know, his contract apparently is only till 2020. And now that the debate is going to keep him, so they've probably left it a bit late to renew that contract because if he continues in this way, he won't be around for long. Yeah, he was in your players to watch list at the start of the season, and at the moment he's living up to that billing uh, handsomely, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, Benjamin Nigren, is it Nigren or Nigren? Um, well worth uh, watching out for. Just a question about that stadium, uh, actually. Um, was that their old stadium that they used to play at? Um, IFK. 
Yeah, they used to play there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember it when um, I say I used to follow this league back in the day, like a decade or so ago, and yeah, Gamlo Levi, yeah? Yeah, it's very, um, it's not Gamlo Levi, but it's called Old Oliver, but it's the old, or is it called, basically, it means new, it means new Oliver, but it's actually the old stadium. And then the new stadium is called the Old Oliver. It's quite complicated. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. So, um, well, just, just quickly on that. It's like a really, uh, it's like a really old school sort of mm. stadium. It's really like it's big, it's um, it's wide open. You know, it creates a great atmosphere. Um, it's grass, I think, which is a, you know that's quite different. Um, yeah, that the but their new stadium is called Old Oliver. That's the literal translation of it, uh, which is synthetic pitch and a bit more compact, lower attendance. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really nice stadium to go to actually. And uh, but they won't be there for long. I think the next game will be back at the new stadium or the, the old stadium as it's called because I, I watched i did watch the highlights of that game and uh, i noticed the, the old running track around the uh the pitch and i thought i was well i think i was partly daydreaming actually i was like that can't be the old stadium can it explains it so no, daydreaming there steve you were you were bang on yeah so well actually on the subject of stadium and fans I know you want to talk about the attendances in this league uh, at the moment, John, because they're on the up, aren't they? They're indeed. And um, it's good news for the offence game in general in Swedish football. We had, obviously, in the pre-season podcast, a bit of a debate about in Norway and Sweden whether the attendances are kind of, you know, is the league on the up or down? And this is a positive sign that we've been told that the first two matches in Osvenskan and Super Breton combined had 220,000 spectators who witnessed 87 goals. Um, but the increase in the fans is a 10% increase compared to last season. So that's a positive trend upwards. And long may it continue. Brilliant. I mean, that's good to hear, actually, the fans getting back in there. And I mean, I know we can't talk about any every other team in Sweden at the moment. Is there any particular side that you want to? finish off by talking about in this seg uh, segment. I know uh, that we did actually have a question from uh, someone on Twitter who was inquiring about whether we could talk about Lynn and uh, and Yogurt. And this is from Max Polk. Uh, I presume that's Lynn Oslo, Max, uh, in Norway. But uh, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to talk much about them. They're in Division 3 now, and that isn't really my area. But uh, maybe a quick word on, uh, on Yogurt from you, John. Uh, yeah, Jurgarden. They have two of the highest scoring players in this week's All Svenska Fantasy League. Uh, anyone in their anyone in the Nordic Football Podcast League who has uh, our man Aslak Witchery will be very, very happy indeed. After he bagged two goals and a total of thirty-eight points, I believe. And uh, Marcus Danielson also got fourteen points uh, there. So two players maybe for your fantasy team. But anyway, their, their underlying numbers are looking good. Uh, they're not conceding many. They're scoring a lot. A good three in a win. Or a are quite poor. But um, no, they're going well. They're going well. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, well, we're back later to talk about... Um, uh, wait, wait, I haven't finished yet. Lynn Oslo, sorry, Steve. Uh, I still haven't forgotten. John Obi Mikkels transfer from Lynn Oslo to Manchester United. And anyone who remembers that 14 years ago, he, he held the shirt up of Man United. Uh, it was a done deal and then some dodgy behaviours went on and somehow a few days later he was in the Chelsea shirt so 
that's pretty much my only memory of Lynn Oslo. <laughs> my memory of Lynn Oslo was there was hardly anyone ever watched their games. It was at, um, they used to play at the Ullevar Stadium, uh, joint uh, with Valorenga, and it just always felt that they never seemed to have many fans watch their games. But that was a long, long time ago now. Um, you know, they're in Division third level, so good luck to them. But uh, I don't know really what they're doing down there. Um, you know, in terms of my own expertise in the Norwegian leagues, then uh, it really only extends to the Alsvenskan. Um, to be honest with you, if you want to be looking below that, then... I remember they wore white shirts and I, I didn't like them after that whole thing. Mm. Uh, well, before we move on to Norway, uh, how about the Fantasy League, the Asvenskan Fantasy League, that is? Um, how's that been going? Yeah, I mean, just before we move on, they... they Sorry to dwell on this point, Steve, but they... The old say, there was an old saying that was, don't believe... That a player is signed for your team until you see them wearing the shirt, you know. And I saw him with my own two eyes wearing the shirt, and uh, ever since then, that that particular phrase has been bedded, uh, binned, you know, after that one. So I don't know what happened there with the Roman Abramovich and Chelsea, but uh, I haven't forgotten you, Lin Oslo. I have not forgotten you. In terms of uh, fantasy football, um, <laughs> yeah, a good week for. Well, a lot of a lot of people who've joined the league, and we've seen our, our league is growing. I think a lot more people have joined. Uh, and yeah, like I say, if you have Witchery in your team, you've done very well. And I think obviously Linus Hellenius is scoring very well. And you asked me about him at ten point five million during the preseason podcast. I think his value will have gone up by now, but I might have to actually go in, get in there because I haven't got him in my team. Um, but yeah, it's going to be. There's quite a few interesting games this weekend. I think AIK Sirius is, is an interesting one. We're going to look at potential predictions later in part two. Mm. But uh, the games that stand out to me just on top, top of my head, I think ASE Eskilstuna Odebro will be an interesting game. Um, I like the look of Falkenberg Hacken and then Malmo Ostersons and Geogarden EF Core, two big games. All right, well, uh, let's have a little bit of a break now. And after it, we will be uh, talking about the Norwegian elite Assyrian. So we'll catch you in a little bit. Welcome to part two of this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back after a very short break. I'm Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined by Steve Wiss, my Norwegian expert. And before we move on to the Norwegian league, just to cap off for you the, the league table in Sweden, we have Sirius at the top, uh, Jurgard in second, Gif Sundsvall, Beko Hacken, and Ostersunds in the top five. Uh, Steve, moving on to Norway. And there we have Molder top, Viking second, Bodo Glimt in third, a team that we never ever talk about, Odd in fourth, and Strom Skodset in fifth there, tied with Lillestrom and Bran. But um, I just wanted to say something quickly about Lynn Oslo because uh, <laughs> I'm a bit upset about them still, and I won't let it go, Steve. Uh, like, like the Murphys, I'm not bitter. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. What are we going to say about... Uh, no way, Steve. Where are we going to uh, Well, we're going to have to start with Rosenborg, I think, because on the Twitter poll, 
that is what the, uh, the the listeners want us to talk about. So, yeah, thirteenth in the table at the moment. They've they've lost a match at Buda Glimt and they've drawn the match against Odd. And I think it's fair to say in both games they were second best. Um, really, certainly in the first game they were absolutely well. They had the absolute well. They were hammered really by Buda Glimt. It could have been three or four nil. It ended two nil. I was very impressed with Buda Glimt in that match, but Rosenborg were terrible. What's going wrong? Uh, the manager, Eric Horniland, it doesn't feel like a good fit. Um, I looked at a lot of the statistics last year because he was the Hogerson manager last year, and there we were a team that had not much possession compared to the rest of the league. I think they were ranked lowest in that department, actually, certainly in the bottom three. So you can tell what sort of style he was playing there, which was very effective for that sort of club. Can you really play that sort of style at a top club? You know, his natural way might not suit Rosenborg. That's my gut feeling. Um, there was murmurs pre-season of players, Samuel Adegbenro, for example, who's actually injured at the moment. He said he didn't, he was taking some adaptation to get used to the Hornerland way and that he was going to have to play with more discipline, more of a structured role, less of a you know, sort of a wild card thing, uh, allowed to do his own sort of creativity. And, you know, that's all well and good, but I just think this Rosenborg team needs to be let off the leash a little bit more. And none of, not too many players in this system seem to be enjoying it right now. Perhaps the only one that's looking somewhat decent is Paul-Andre Helland, the, the winger, who's a quite quality player at this level when he's fit um you know there's not enough players just look, looking like they're enjoying the system looking like they're enjoying their football they were booed off on monday night against odd and they i was looking at the y scout y scout stats for this game and do you know what rosenborg's expected goals in the second half were at home against odd john no idea zero they were. They had. They had no. They had hardly. Basically, didn't have a sniff of a goal after half time. And that, that's how shocking it is. Um, things aren't going well. They've got a really tricky looking match against Starbeck away in the in this round at the weekend. And uh, at the moment, I'm not seeing an awful lot of signs of life. To be honest, I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, and just to recap, um, those two games, they first lost to Budaglim 2-0, goals from Conradson, which was a bit of a beauty, wasn't it, actually? Mm. Long, range, long ranger there. And Leuni, and uh, we'll come on to Glim later, because even me, they're, you know, they've, they've caught my eye in the last two games. Um, it looked like they played a 4-4-1-1 system in the first game, Steve, and then, uh, you know, couldn't beat Odd, 1-1 um, at home, so... You know what? What's the problem? Is it is it the new, is it a tactical shape? Have they changed it? What's the manager changed that's that sort of led to this? Is it you know they're playing a different shape? Are they? Is it just personnel or? Well, he completely got it wrong in that first game. He played with two deep midfielders, Jermund Assen and Mike Jensen. All right, now Jensen can probably just about do that role, but Jermund Assen's a, an attacking midfielder or a, wing, a winger. So to ask him to do you know fill in the deep role in that match was just borderline suicidal really he got the team lineup he had bentner playing as like a, a central midfielder in in the buddha glint match which is ridiculous uh he seems to have this idea of playing nicholas bentner as basically anywhere on the field apart from a striker um yeah. 
as any taxi driver will tell you, you can't box Bentner in, can you? You can't put him in the back seat. You certainly can't. And it just it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I think Hornerland is one of them managers who seems to have his own favourites, if you know what I mean. And not all managers have this, but uh, at the moment, I'm not convinced by his man management. I'm not convinced by his tactics. I said in the winter, they had all winter to get to bring in a top-class name and a top-class coach, and all they could do was bring in a guy from little old Horgerson. It just never well, you know, with me. You, you've been critical of him even in the pre-season podcast. And I mean, to be fair to him, he's got a big job there. And, uh, you know, I don't know how well he's done at Hogson, but, you know, he's, we can't be too critical. I mean, he's earned his position there, Steve, but time will obviously tell. I mean, we've got a question from uh, a listener uh, who goes by the name of, well, at, at Italia FPL. And his question is, have Rosenberg become bad or is it their usual start of the season? And I think it's a good question. And looking back at the start of the season last year, and this wasn't under the manager that you're criticising here, I don't think, was it, Steve? They lost at Salzburg and then they drew the next two games. Rosenberg 2-2 with Christensen and then they drew one all with Odd. So the following game after that was a 4-0 win against Mulder and that's when the season really kick-started. So... Is this a usual pattern for Rosenborg? Do they normally tend to do this? And, um, you know, what, what's your answer there to Italia FPL? Yeah, thanks very much for your question there, uh, Italia yeah. FPL, who also said, hey, great pod, can't wait for the new one. I can't either, mate. So, And a lot of other people can't wait for it uh, either. So <laughs> thanks very much for the kind words there. It's a good question because, yeah, Rosenborg have always been a slow starter, actually, in my opinion. Even, you know, from when I first started covering this league a decade ago uh, and, and longer, it always did. They had this reputation of not getting out of the blocks very quickly, and it didn't happen last season uh, either, obviously. But um, this just feels different to me, John. It's just in the past they might have sort of not had the results early on, but played all right, and and you know no need to panic because other teams up there are not that good. I mean, the problem for them this year is they've looked crap. They they haven't played very well at all. And they're obviously, we're going to come to Mulder in a minute, but it looks like Mulder are for real this season. So they're facing a side that looking very good. Um, but yeah, it's not unusual for them to start slow and uh, at all. So um, yeah, in terms of that, not a lot's changed, but it just feels different this time. It just feels like they're just not playing well enough. Well, in fairness to their manager, then, therefore, they have shown slow starts in the past. So, you know, I'll try and balance out your criticism by just saying maybe maybe he needs the time to settle that um, previous seasons have had in, in that sense. We're actually not going to move on to Molden now because we've been outvoted. And I personally voted for this team to talk about first, but Rosenborg won the poll. But the next team we're going to talk about, Steve, is Viking. And um, yes. we'll ask you to t- tell us about Viking and why... Are fans voting in their droves to discuss this particular newly promoted side? Mm. Yeah, I'm a bit um, surprised. I must admit, John. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think didn't think they're going to do great this year, but it's clear they've got a promotion bounce in them at the moment. Um, two wins. Yeah, two two nil wins. They're the only team that have actually yet to concede a goal, which is even more shocking. I absolutely slammed their defence pre-season, didn't I? Uh, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's strange. Um, yeah, they're obviously a, a few players have stood out. Certainly, the youngster Christian Thorstvet 
20 years old. He's named in the Norwegian under 20 World Cup squad, which is taking place in June, I think, May or June. Anyway, you might know better than me about that competition. In Poland, yeah. Um, so he's a bit of definitely a good talent to watch out for. He scored two goals against Trump at the weekend. And, you know, the old legend up front, Tommy Herland, I think he's actually scored a goal yet, um, but he's obviously a big presence. The defence, I, I, I can't explain how a defence which was so poor in the Obosl again has actually looked quite solid. I, I can't explain it. In goal, Ivan Uspo is a goalkeeper. Who I, I, I think he's a terrible keeper at this level, but he's actually looked somewhat competent so far, surprisingly. Fair play to him. Um, he's not really been tested much either. So I think a lot of the credit has to be given to the back line. And some players that have stood out to me, uh, Sondre Briershol, who had never actually played in the Elitisarium before, this year, who's looked quite good at right-back for them. Um, Runa Hover has looked good at centre-back. They've actually lost a player to injury for the whole season. He got, he got injured 16 minute, minutes into the first match. Axel Oscar Andresen. Uh, he's gone for the year with an ACL injury, so unlucky there. But guys are coming like Villar Vervatna. And the, 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 the two teams they face, Christine Sundan Trumser are no mug, so it's not like they face absolute sacks of shit here um i'm surprised it's just one of those what sometimes you can't explain it you know but they should should the keeper have saved the second goal against uh viking i mean that was yes of course the effort but you know that's fairly central yeah that was a poor um error from the young uh, he's at you know the young keeper at trumsa who i bigged up last week in the interview with simo valakari um but he's learning you know the, the, the young keepers you've got to give them a lot of time haven't you so but yeah, Viking, I think the most impressive part has been their solid, their ability to keep it solid at the back. And look, let, let's see how they fare against some better teams offensively. But so far, so good for, for Viking. Okay, fair enough. And uh, from a fantasy point of view, just for the listeners there who have an interest in fantasy, any, any players that we should be looking at for our teams? Well, I wouldn't, you know, they've kept two clean sheets, but I'm not looking to the Viking defence because I think in the end it will, you know, they will concede goals at this level. But I do like Zlatko Tripic, the winger. He's actually in my team, although he's got a bit of an injury doubt at the moment. He definitely caught my eye. And, yeah, this midfielder, youngster Christian Thorstvet, uh, looks like a good sort of box-to-box sort of guy who uh, can chip in with some goals here and there. So those would be the two players from Viking that I'd be looking at. Interesting. And the next two games are, um, I think they've got Christians and, no, Brown at home, sorry. Brown at home. And then... Then they are away. Away. So, yeah. Two games, that'll be a tough test for them, won't they? Yeah, I mean, we actually had a question about the Brown game from the Northman. Um, Thanks very much for the question there. who is based in Norway? He also asked us about a match in the uh, in the third tier. Egerton's yeah, against Brian, I think. Could you yes. tell us your predictions for that game, Steve? Uh, well, it's a huge local derby in the third tier, apparently. And you know, you know, derby matches are tight, aren't they? Usually, so I'm going to say nil nil there. But um, yes, it's not really the sort of level that I'm uh, an expert in, I'm afraid. But uh, I certainly can talk about the Viking Brand game, which is a local. Another local uh, battle, um, you know, two uh, teams, big rivalry with each other. And, you know, 
Brown are probably quite pleased that the Viking are back in the league, so this fixture's on the board. Do you know what? I think it actually comes at a great time for Viking because Brand this is their third game in the space of a week. The defence of Brand is suddenly looking a bit dodgy. You know, this momentum that Viking had, it would not surprise me at all if they got a win in this game or, or at least a draw. So, tricky one to predict, actually. I'd say probably, if I had to stick my neck out, I would say a, a one-all draw, a, a scoring draw. Uh, you know, one-all. Brand, yeah. hmm? Against Bran. Yeah, Viking against Bran. Okay. Uh, thanks, Steve, and uh, the Northman, thanks for your question. Let's move on. Uh, I think we, we it's about time we speak about this team, really, and um, they've certainly caught my eye, a couple of their players. Uh, let's move on to Mulder, your pre-season tip to win a title. Mm, yeah, got to move on to them. Well, they, you know... Before, we, before you kick off there, we have a question which is... What is the chances that this is a golden age for Mulder FK from Richard R. Lockhaug? And his second question is, how good is Magnus Wolf Eichram? But we'll come on to that. So, yeah, Steve. Is the question was also by at this is Liam. Liam. And it kind of maybe carries on from that. Can Mulder keep up this strong start and will they win Sunday? So a lot of people have got questions about Mulder, Steve. Take it away. <laughs> uh, yeah. They definitely have. Uh, is uh, is this a chance of a golden age for, for Mulder? Well, the, the problem with any team in in Norway is if it does really well, usually in the off season, bigger teams buy their top players. So it's almost actually a very it's a very hard question to to, to answer. If I'm being brutally honest with you, however, in this instance, I do feel there is a chance for them to have some. A, a good sustained few years of success because they don't really need the money at the moment, do they? they sold Erling Brat Haaland for five million. They've got about a million quid from Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's uh, move to Man United. And you know what? A lot of the players they've brought in have actually, they're not what you'd call really great up and coming youngsters who are going to move on like Haaland. They, they signed established elitisarian players who are entering the prime sort of stages of their of their career in Norway. I mean, no disrespect to like Martin Bjornback or Christopher Harold's side. At this point in time, I just don't see them really moving away from, from, from the, the elite Assyrian to anywhere big. They'll quite happily be sort of big wigs in the elite Assyrian for, for many a year. Obviously, there's a few guys that could move on. Like, you know, Ui eventually may well get hit that dream move to England. Yeah, I think but... You know, even like Magnus Wolf Eichmann, who we're going to talk about in a minute, he's 29 now. And I think there's a chance that, yeah, this team could stay together for two or three years. I think and before we move on to sort of talking about dynasties, I mean, let's let's bear in mind, let's put things in perspective, Esty, with, with three games into the league. They have a game in hand and they haven't actually won all their games. They've, they've, they drew their opening game, didn't they? So I think we should take this, maybe not get too carried away with ourselves, or are you really that high on them? I mean, looking, right. at, looking at their underlying stats, they've... They're um, they're not even in the top five for expected goals against. Uh, so, you know. Well, I just I, I don't see from here how how, how they they're not going to win the league unless Rosenborg suddenly become really strong. It's just Mulder uh, uh, head and shoulders above the rest at the moment in terms of squad, the way they're playing. On the opening day draw at Sarpsborg was actually what you'd say a draw of champions almost where they're outplayed for a large majority of the game, but equalised late. 
and then they've looked very, very comfortable in the, in the two home wins against Starbeck and Valarenga. Their control of the game is what's impressed me the most. They, uh, they're keeping the ball really well. They're waiting patiently for big chances. Um, there seems to be a great chemistry and connection between the players, um, especially this Magnus Wolf to Ui sort of connection at the moment is uh, looking very good. And so is uh, Arik Hestad, who's had a great start to the season. They reinforce in the right areas. And uh, what was the question? How are they going to get on this weekend against Buda Glimt? Um, well, that's actually a really interesting... Yeah, actually. Before you come on to answering that, let's talk about Buda Glimt because, for me, they're the team who've probably caught my eye more than anybody. Um, partly because of that 5-4, you know, thrilling game, which even got picked up by BBC Match of the Day online um, for the incredible end to it. Just, just run us through that game quickly, Steve, and then obviously glimpse form so far before we answer that, you know, prediction for the for the weekend. Well, <laughs> what have we got? How long have we got? Uh, <laughs> it's a lot to talk about. Two minutes. But um, yeah, five four against Mjerndalen. Uh Buda took a two 0 lead in that game. Mjerndalen came back to score three goals, all from set pieces. Mm, Buda Glimp retook the lead with two goals, and then. Unfortunately, the goalkeeper for Buda Glint got injured. It was a bad concussion in the 89th minute and he had to go off the field. They used all their substitutions up. So they ended the game with Vegard Moberg in, in goal for them. 11 minutes of stoppage time was added to this game and Mjöndalen actually equalised uh, in about the 97th minute, I think. It was a header. The goalkeeper could have done nothing about that one. And, you know, it looked like it was going to be a ridiculous four-all draw, which I think would have been a fair result, really. But uh, then uh, an, an incredible winning goal in, in the ninth, 101st minute from Hakon Evian, who we have talked a little bit about in this podcast uh, before. And the first man to mention it was was actually Tom Dent in the interview with him last year, who did say that this is a young kid to watch out for long-term. And, and by gum, he's absolutely right that... Uh, you know, he's a young winger, 19-year-old. He's another one in the, uh, the Norwegian under-20 uh, World Cup squad, I do believe, already confirmed. And what a sweet hit with his left foot. It may well become the goal of the season in Norway. Who knows? It's a big contender. And, uh, yeah, great start for Glimpse. They've looked really great offensively, you know. In terms of expected goals, I'm sure they're right up there at the moment. And uh, so impressive how they beat Rosenborg. And, you know, the Mjöndalen game, it was wild, but they, they're really looking good uh, offensively right now, Rudiglund. Yeah, what one for potential uh, fantasy team players there. Conradsen has two goals for Rudiglund, a 22-year-old. Uh, he's doing very well. And also, probably yeah, Andre Herum has got two goals, hasn't he? So those are two players maybe for, uh, for people who are playing fantasy football. Take it away, Steve. Let's hear your prediction for Molde against Budaglimp because there's, they seem to be two informed teams, two teams to watch. I think it sounds like it'll be a good game, won't it? Uh, Two-all draw for me. Um, I think there'll be goals in this game, so if you want to bet on it, then I'd go on the overs. But uh, I, I wish, I, at the moment, obviously, I, I'm very high on Molde, but I'm also quite respectful of Budaglimp. Uh, they're in a great phase at the moment, and they can. I don't think they'll fear Molde at all, so... It's a real tough game um, for the visitors here, especially as their third one in a week. And uh, I could see them being tested. But Mulder have got enough about them here to, to get some sort of a result. I don't necessarily think they'll win, though. 
Buda Glimt uh, cannot be underestimated this weekend. Do not underestimate Buda Glimt. Music to Tom Dent's ears and perhaps a bit of loud uh, rush hour heavy traffic to the ears of Seema Valkari and any Chomzu fans there. We're going to move on now and we're going to look at a team who has a player with the highest number of expected goals and assists in this league. Uh, can you guess who I'm talking about, Steve? Highest number of expected goals and assists? Yep. I'm going to give you five seconds. No, I don't know then. Go on. Matthias Wilhelmsen of Wallerenga with 2.24. We're going to move on to them. Uh, I've had a few questions there and they're a team to talk about. They also have the highest expected goals in the league according to Scout data. So let's hear your take on Wallerenga. You've written down here on your notepad inconsistency. Yeah, it's a bit of a rant actually I'm going to have about them again because they're so frustrating. This team, this team, uh, they were brilliant on the opening day against Mian Darlin, as you would expect them to be. You know, that's a match a lot of people would think, yeah, they're going to win that easily. But it wasn't, you know, the way they won it was very impressive. It could have been three or four, five nil. And Billy Armson had a really great game. But then they follow that up with an absolute stinker of, of a performance at Christiansund. And it's just, they just, they just look so poor in that game, John. They, they were reduced to 10 men. Um, the Mexican uh, Juarez got a bad tackle on um, Yertsen. Uh, it was described as a pig's tackle by uh, one pundit on the Eurosport Norway. But it, it really that just summed up Valerenga in the last under Ronnie Dyler for me. They they have a great performance and they back it up with a terrible one. And you know the Molder match they they were not in the game for about an hour. And then they finally got a goal back and they started to play again. It's in there. I think they're weak mentally, you know. It's just they don't have that. Uh, they don't have the bollocks sometimes, you know. They're a disappointment in that regard. But the the, the, the the potential and qualities there, John. It's just it's like a tap. They'll turn it on and off when they want to. I think very hard to predict. There you go from Meatman Soccer and a bit of a damning indictment on them. But they have the highest expected goals in the league. So you know, maybe maybe it's stats versus what you see with your eyes at times. Um, Interesting analysis from you there, Steve. Uh, ball possession, they are 54%, so top five. But the 10th in the table, three games played. Um, and let's see how things go with them. Um, I think we're going to move on now, unless you've got anything else to say about Valeringa, or is that you ran over? That's that's it. I've got enough. No more about them. You had enough of them? Yeah. Okay, we're moving on quicker than Ronnie Dyler pulls his pants down when things go well. Um, let's talk about long throws because you've got a bit of a rant here which you already had on Twitter but I'm going to give you 20 seconds to get out this rant from your system it's the rant it's the rant cast here get it all out this is regarding a match Augustund against Sarpsborg at the weekend and it was like a duel of long throws Nikolai Ness of Sarpsborg Alexander Sturlas of Augustund and it was like every single time in the final third there was a throw in the teams resorted to this long throw throw tactic and it, the faffing about getting everyone ready for it you know it takes so much time out of the game it's absolutely tedious you know in terms of the neutral watching it i i nearly turned it off you know it was just pathetic and these these teams are not terrible sides either they've got technical quality players in there they don't have to resort to a long throw every time every single time they weren't mixing it up or anything 
and it just got ridiculously tedious. The amount of dead time in the match was fifty, nearly 55 minutes. Now, there's usually quite a lot of dead time in any game anyway, around, I think, 40 minutes is the average. But to say that oh, the amount of football actually played was only about 35 minutes, it's pathetic. And, uh, and it was all, I reckon a lot of it was because of these long throws, which were taking forever, absolutely forever, to get everyone lined up for it. And look, so you're happy about the long throws? No. Oh, I'm not happy about them. I, I don't like long throws anyway. I've got some bad news for you, I'm afraid. And that is because we had you had your rant on Twitter at Nordic Footpod as well about this. And you know, you you made a call to arms and you've asked everyone if they love long throws, hate them with a passion, or it should be mixed up. And I'm not joking here. This is a five, one, two, three, five tweet rant by at Meatman Soccer. At Nordic Footpod at 2:29 p.m. in the afternoon. So you've been brewing this one up for a while, but unfortunately, the verdict is in, and the verdict is 44% say they love long throws. I'm afraid to say, Meat Man Soccer, you've been uh, you've been outvoted there. Well, we obviously know Tony Peelis follows us on Twitter, don't we? Um, obviously, for that, yeah, there's rumours that unconfirmed rumours he created two accounts actually to vote for, <laughs> but. Uh, he also asked Rory Delap to create three accounts. So <laughs> these rumours are unconfirmed. Um, the verdict's in anyway. If you love long throws, follow us at Nordic Football on Twitter. Uh, at Meatman Soccer definitely doesn't. So if you agree with him, then give him a tweet himself. And he might, you know, he might be happy to hear that, seeing as he voted for hate them with a passion. But we're going to move on now to fantasy football and a couple of predictions for this weekend. Let's look at the weekend ahead. Just to wrap up on Wallerenga, by the way, uh, the first two, three games then, I guess. They've lost, well, they won at home to Mjolndalen, lost at Christensen and lost 4-1 at Mulder. Um, so looking ahead, Steve, who we got for your fantasy team? We had a question from a listener who says, Captain options for game week three. And that's from Neil Baxter. He wants yeah. to know. Thanks very much for that, Neil. And uh, I've been doing some videos um, on the YouTube channel, the Nordic Football Podcast. Subscribe to us on that channel, by the way. Uh, well worth subscribing to um, about fantasy advice. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that this week, uh, unfortunately, with the, with the first match being on a Friday. So you're just going to have to listen to this podcast for advice only. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, the captain I'm having every single week is Magnus wolf Eichram, the wolf. Uh, he, he's so reliable, consistent, that that he can, against any team, he can produce a moment of magic and get points from nowhere. So if he's fully fit, he's my captain at the moment, no doubt about it. But other potential captain options could be, look, Ui himself is in great goal-scoring form. Vili Armson, he's got a good matchup against Tromsø, And, you know, you can never go too far wrong with someone like Vito Vermgor as a captain at Brand in case they get a penalty. But, uh, yeah, I'd be going with the Wolf as my captain in, in Norway. I mean, what about Sweden? Is there any obvious real standout captain um, material there? Well, firstly, yeah, just to recap there. So, Neil, if you're listening, uh, Mr. Steve Wiss has gone for Magnus Wolf Icom, who pl they play on Sunday at Buda Glimt, 5 p.m. UK time. Uh, looking at Sweden, it's a good question, actually. I haven't really 
thought about this too much. I'm a little bit upset because I'm not top of uh, the Nordic Football Podcast League. And um, I didn't have witchery in my team, so I'm going to have to up my game at, at this rate. I'm looking at a couple of games. I think AIK is serious. I think you've got probably a banker clean sheet there for AIK. But uh, Sirius have been known to give me a bit of a, a slap around the face every time I, I make a prediction. So um, don't don't put your house on it. But yeah, I'm looking personally at Daniel Sungren as my potential captain. Um, I think they'll keep a clean sheet and I think he could potentially get involved somehow in, in the scoring ranks. Uh, alternatively, yeah, and if you're looking for an outsider in your team, maybe um, as opposed to Sungren, Maybe not for your captain, but an outside player, maybe who's not owned by many people. In fact, only just 6.4% of people. I would suggest Mamadou Moro of Helsingborg. He's 6.1 million. He's already got 14 points. So he's the fourth top scorer in the league. Um, he's bagged an assist and a goal. And a couple of bonus points as well, I believe. And yeah, I think he's got a little bit of potential there. So if you look at outsiders, as I like to do, then he might be one to consider. Um, on a personal note, I'm pretty close to dumping Ravel Morrison already because he's not doing much for me. So I'll be keeping an eye on him and Romain Gaul in my team and maybe looking some, to someone like Moro to potentially replace them. But yeah, I think I think AIK are the team you'd probably look at for this round. Um, maybe as another outsider, maybe Linus Hellenius. Not an outsider, but as a captain option, maybe Linus Hellenius. They've got um, Elfsburg away. As I've said before, I don't rate Elfsburg. He might bag a few more. He's got 21 goals now in three match days this season and the whole of last season. So he's absolutely flying. Yeah, I've uh, the, I've had uh, that uh, Charpenson as my captain both weeks for Hammerby, but he's done absolutely wank all. Uh, missed some sitters, I think, hasn't he? So I'm debating about even... Well, I'm going to keep him, but whether I'm not keeping him as captain, I don't know. <coughs> Oh, you make me laugh, Steve. You make me laugh. Yeah. Uh, now turn a phrase there. So um, <laughs> before we leave, we've got a couple of bets as well. We've had a few people asking us for our predictions. We've got a few right, haven't we? We had uh, we had Jeff Good, Joe Under beat uh, Audible at 1.95. You've had a few winners as well, haven't you? Yeah. We've been asked by Salola, our good old friend Salola, uh, for these um, betting tips. And so, well, here's some from me for Norway this week. Uh, Give you four to get your teeth stuck into. I've already mentioned Buda limped against Mulder. Over 2.75 goals. Or over 2.5, you could take. Um Dahlen against Strums Goodser on Friday night. I think that's another over over 2.75. Should be a match full of goals. I think Odd. Odd, odd should beat Christian Sund on Sunday. And I think Sarpsborg will beat Lillestrom on Sunday. So they're my four. Four tips for you there. Milan Dallin V Strums good set over 2.5. Odd win. Sarpsborg win. Builder Glimp Molder over 2.75. I am going for one game in particular that stands out for me. I think Malmo against Ostersons. My theory here is, as I've mentioned, the underlying stats for Ostersons are looking a little bit weak. I think Malmo have got the highest expected goals in this division, according to Y Scout data, and I think they might be due for their first. Uh, win of the season so although they're not doing that much to impress me i'm gonna go for and and malmo win against ostersons on sunday 4 30 kickoff uh and i'm also gonna say overs in that game i think there'll be more than 2.5 goals and then my other 
uh, tip for this week is give Sundsvall away to Elsborg. I've got them to beat Elsborg away, which is on Sunday at 2pm. Brilliant. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this podcast, doesn't it, John? Um, thanks very much, uh, everyone, for listening. And, well, we'll be back again soon, uh, hopefully. Yeah, of course, uh, we will be back again soon. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Uh, and give us a like on Facebook, Nordic Football Podcast. I've got a few other things to tell you about, a few poster boards. Number one, we are now on SoundCloud. So if you're on SoundCloud, get involved. We are also on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, subscribe and get involved. And as well as this, and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, we have partnered with Scout, as you've probably heard us mention a few times. And our first blog there for them has been published by our good friend Steve. He has written a great piece on five players to watch this season in the Elite Serien, using a lot of statistical data uh, to cement his place as the number one analyst on this league. And so go check it out. We'll be writing for Y Scout probably on a regular basis now this season, um, giving you more and more detailed analysis of Sweden and Norway. So come to us if you've got questions, tweet us, give us a fight, like, a follow, all that goodness. Um, and go and look at the archives as well. Seema Valakari, a great podcast last week, the Chomzo Manager, and we're going to have a few more special guests coming and plenty more fantasy tips. My aim this week is to knock Steve off his perch. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, goodbye. See you again soon.